Okay, so we were talking about uh, who the funniest guys in the business are. When last we left off, we were reviewing the Hero Never Dies event. Uh, we had gotten kind of dark talking about uh, Joey Ryan and Andy Dalton and where the call-out movement has left a lot of people. And then we decided to bring a little levity <laughs> into the moment. Um, uh, you know... Not really. It's just how it flowed. But we were taught. We wanted to. T I wanted to actually pose to you who the who some of the funniest guys. Some of the funniest guys I've met in my life. Period are actually in the business. I would say that. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Thomas Shire really makes me laugh. That guy's that guy's hysterical. All the squad guys. Uh, Jojo Bravo is fucking hysterical yes. to me. He is like one of the funniest people. Also because you never know when he's like actually being really serious and he'll he will fuck with you in a myriad <laughs> of ways. Who else do you think is funny? Uh look um Ryan Davidson is funny. Ryan Davidson can be pretty funny too. Um Showtime Scott Summers has a weird sense of humor. Well show Scott back. Scott will scare you. Yes. But he's only screwing with you. Yeah. Uh, and then he like he has like weird uh, knowledge that you would never think he knows about, yeah. and he'll just drop references to shit. You know how we and you're like, what the fuck? Do you know what's really funny is that we talk about how guys like Will Alday and Matthew Palmer are these ex theater kids, and that's what makes them really unique and really convincing. <laughs> yeah. Scott is an ex theater yeah. kid, and a lot of people don't fucking know no. that because you look at him and you would never go, oh, the guy that was the bouncer at Hooligans or whatever. <laughs> that guy, yeah, that guy, yeah. the theater kid, he was the, the theater kid at the door at, at that at that that bruiser joint. No, he. <laughs> <laughs> no, doing he, hamlet and shit yeah oh yeah no seriously, I would, dude i would go i would i would go see othello starring scott summers dude, as othello maybe yeah, meathead fucking theater would be amazing oh um, you know what i think we're gonna have to integrate that into our <laughs> upcoming events actually um yeah um ricky starks is ricky funny. starks is when he wants to be yeah he's hilarious well, ricky's funny even when he's mad though <laughs> if, so long as he's not mad at you see See, because I, I wanted to say the rest of the super academic kids, but it's re they're at their funniest when Ricky's being funny and then they're feeding off. Yeah. Um, the, you, Jeff Gant, it, my low boy. Key, low key funny. Do, yeah. Like sneaks up on you. Yeah. Um, ACH is funny, but I don't think he's funny in a way that he th that he intends <laughs> to be funny. He's funny as a character. Yes. You know, otherwise he's just kind of mean. <laughs> is that fair like, to say yeah but I, he also knows more of what he's doing than he lets on that he knows uh, what he's yeah. doing yeah i don't know um, but yeah <clears throat> and i mean i know there's other guys i mean mike dell can be fucking hilarious yeah he's you know? funny i think um, uh I, a lot of people in the biz i honestly think a lot of the people that play heel characters <laughs> tend to be really funny They're, yeah. they tend to be the most jovial like the guys that you're kind of scared of are kind of really hilarious um or yeah. just really tender. That's it's one or the other. I, I mean, I I got to see him this uh, two days ago. Um, but uh, one of my who I'll call one of my mentors in the business, uh, Crusher Kong from the Colossal Kongs, is fucking hilarious and in, in like a weird your uncle type way. But like, <laughs> yeah, when telling stories about fucking clearing out locker rooms by ripping ass and stuff, like you know, literally like your uncle, um, is a funny guy as well. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think lastly, oh, Roxy Castillo is hilarious. Oh, I mean that's her yeah. job. That's her job. <laughs> you know, she, yeah, she's, she's awesome. She's she's awesome. She's yeah, great. She's really good. Anyway, so we're gonna fly back into um, a hero never dies. And when last we left off, uh, 
Joey Ryan had uh, defeated Evangelistico, who is now on a crusade to unmask a potential ghost that is hiding within the ranks of Inspire Pro. <laughs> this was something that, again, was going to go somewhere, but, you know, as as want to do, people disappear and angles yeah. fall apart. But we were actually going to do some stuff where Evan was going to wrestle people. And we were, <laughs> I think I went as far as to start to put together... Uh, some optical illusions and effects. <laughs> and there was going to be a moment where Evan was going to unmask a certain prominent figure within Inspire Pro as a ghost. And that was supposed to lead to kind of a cataclysm for Inspire Pro, where we started to reveal that certain people within the company were metaphysical celebrities. Should I go ahead and reveal what was going to happen? Yeah, go ahead and go into okay, it. Okay, because it didn't happen, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, Evan was going to have a series of matches where he uh, tests people to see if they're ghosts. And he goes through the entire company and eventually he wrestles Palmer and reveals that Palmer is, in fact, a fucking ghost. And Palmer winds up kind of going in a really strange direction. And what was going to happen was there was going to be a paranormal cataclysm that ended the company. There was going to be a whole storyline where things went really, really weird. It was supposed to end like <laughs> Ghostbusters, kind of. We we had a lot of like um, doomsday um, s- scenarios ready to go, just in case. At this point, oh like, yeah, um, we were very. I, I yeah, we, I think we all, all talked about how we wanted this to end, but when it ended, it had to end in spectacular fashion, yeah. and that was it. Uh, Evan Evan was just just kind of like this guy who was supposed to be the ghost hunter of Inspire Pro, but it just didn't it didn't happen because yeah. Evan became unavailable. So. I mean, we were originally going to do the weird ghost hunting vignettes at the uh, Marquesa with him and, and um, Pierre, right? Yeah, I believe uh, Phil Librand was even going to film those. Yeah, and, and then we lost the building. Right? Yeah. So um, this was kind of round two at that. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's picked up Joey as an ally in his ghost busting. So if we ever need to bring Joey in and maybe we can fold him into this at this point is the thought at that time. Yeah. Um, which is, you know... Uh, I mean, that's a situation where if you get that somebody was last the, second... That was going to be the plan, basically. Um can use them properly. We, right? we were basically going to be creating a ghost... Wasn't there even some weird ongoing angle about Joey being a ghost himself? Yeah, um, yeah this was... It was not within our company. It was No, it was on the Being the Elite uh, podcast. They had a thing where uh, Adam Page had murdered Joey Ryan, which was building up to their um, match at... All in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that that's neither here nor there because nothing really panned out, but it was still some, it was just one of those things there for every idea that you see executed. There are at least five other ones that fucking died. <laughs> Shopping room death. floor. Yeah. Man. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think that's why wrestling is really good for me and why I fit well. Cause I have a million inane, stupid ideas and uh, that's actually a good thing, because when something runs the ground, I go, what about this? What about this? What about this? Because that's I'm, I've got a hyperactive brain. Anyway, after this, we launch into Terrell Tempo, Gino and Cody Lane yeah. in a three way match. And this was this was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought this was uh, this was Gino's debut, who was um, he's second generation wrestler and was had basically he'd been re- working for Booker T right but he had just started like to go out and take other other bookings he's training people now too he's he's yeah. kind of a well 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 loved man about uh 
He's a uh, business man. MLW. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And then this is Cody Lane's first kind of highlight match outside of the lawless darkness tournament. So, um, he impresses here and yeah, this is really kind of his coming out party. And then tempo is just on fire at this point. There's no other way to say it. And yeah, tempo picks up the win, but I think both guys look very good here. And, and we think that we got, we got two young guys that we can work with here. Yeah. Good match. Solid. Uh, just kind of at that bar that we want people to perform at. Um, this next match is kind of funny, and it's it's really cool to think about it. Yeah, it's it's cool that it happened in our company. Uh, <laughs> Kylie Ray uh, defeats Vanessa Craven. Yeah, but um, we gotta we gotta preface this. This is plucky young upstart from Houston and a few Chicago shows. Kylie Ray, where we're like, hey, maybe if we if we do something here, we can skyrocket her, right? Yeah, you know, which in hindsight that sounds kind of silly, like. But yeah, for us, it was like, okay. Well, we had plans for her at that time, but yeah. just, you know, we were excited to be able to have access to her, yeah. you know? And um, this is another one where uh, where and, somebody just takes off a lot quicker than we were anticipating. In, in retrospect, I think that had I known what was going to happen, I probably would have switched it around because I I wanted to do more with Vanessa. Yeah. Unfortunately, Vanessa is now retired. Yeah. Did that take? Is she still... Yeah, she's still retired. I I still check in every once in a while. I miss her to see how um, she's doing. She's great. Uh, like just a real, a real salt of the earth, true person. I've, I miss standing outside with her while she smokes cigarettes. Man, <laughs> she's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, Kylie Ray gets the surprise victory here. This is also shortly after the floods in Houston. Yeah. So it was. It also felt like it was a way to kind of we had, Kylie Ray was billed from Houston. And it was a way to kind of like, you know, have a feel good moment. Solidarity for, with the folks Houston. in Houston. Yeah, yeah I, I understand that. That's what that's what we were going for there. But yeah, um, yeah Kylie, Kylie skyrocketed shortly yeah. after that. And what we really wanted to do was we were working toward Kylie versus Delilah. Yes. And we were going to have kind of a moment where Kylie and Delilah had this maybe storyline thing that we were hoping would help really just create something phenomenal and uh we didn't of course get that moment i feel like a lot of there were a lot of moments where we were kind of chasing after something with delilah and it just kind of got pulled out from in front of her yeah um which is unfortunate but you know what that is to say much of uh sarah jean's character because she never you could see disappointment at times but she never got upset with with yeah. us and i always i have to give her a tremendous amount of credit for that she yeah. always she always was a trooper, yep. you know, yeah, and understood, you know, yeah, the the bigger picture, right? Um, this was a match ACH asked for, um, the ACH versus Rex Andrews match. You remember this? Yeah, I do. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was <laughs> another way that we just kind of skyrocketed somebody, you know, um, with with Rex. Well, I think it, it wasn't necessarily that that we. We did it, but it, it oh, was yeah. it, we didn't have it was a rec, folks like Kylie and Rex were just on their way and we were trying <laughs> to kind of like hitch our wagon to yeah. it. Rex actually was somebody that we intended to do some some stuff with because here he is. He's part of the the, the new improvement. He's uh, stable mates with Ashton and T-Ray. Um, and Rex was really the guy that um, 
reality of wrestling and Booker were kind of hitching their wagon yeah. to. Rex had a great look. He, he had an abundant amount of skill. Yeah. So he had a video vlog that was showing up on Fight TV for free that, that companioned with the reality of wrestling. So he was getting a lot of ex- exposure at this time. Um, and yeah, him and ACH, him and Albert just killed it here. Yeah. Really good match. This is sort of a match that I think a lot of us wanted to see. This is one of those pairings where you're like, I want to see that guy and that guy mix it up. Yeah. And so you kind of have to concoct the circumstances because in my opinion, man, bottom line, wrestling is not that great when there is no great context to it. I think a match has to make sense and, and matter and the circumstances have to make it feel important. And this was one of those matches where, you know, Albert is playing his uh, his Goblin King kind of character. He's he's guarding the mountain man. If you want to be anybody in Texas, yeah. you got to go through him. You know, yeah. he's he's the guy. He's you 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 know none shall pass kind of <laughs> kind of thing going on here. I mean, with what, him. what's funny is that's kind of where he is now, um, in in reference to all of independent wrestling. So, um, kind of a, a test run here. Um, and then we, we also, we plant some seeds of Rex maybe being a baby face here. Yeah. Because Albert tells him the match concludes, he tells, he tells Rex that he's good enough that he does not need to lean on Chris true. And, uh, yeah, the, the whole idea here was that Rex was kind of supposed to be, uh, the renegade breakaway that winds up, uh, going after Chris. We were going to do some stuff where, uh, Rex and Andy kind of brush shoulders as allies and i thought there were there were things we were kind of weaving into the tapestry where everything kind of intersects but i think this is probably one of the most catastrophic periods in our booking where things we plan just don't fucking don't fucking materialize you know but that's the nature of the game man so we get to the main event which is uh you know a pretty big deal um, this is the Heavy Hearts and Jay Sirius against Delilah Doom, Davey Vega, and was I believe it was a mystery partner, right? Yep. And this is huge. This yeah. is a huge moment for us. So their mystery partner uh, ends up being uh, Tim Storm, who is, you know, has history with Davey Vega and is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and walks to the ring with that belt. And, you know, for as much as we don't have any love lost with the NWA following our business dealings with them, we're still fans of the business. And so seeing that belt, yeah, that belt matters a lot to us. Um, seeing it on our show, it was a, it was a moment, man. Yeah. I think, I think it, I think we got choked up a little bit when we saw Tim walk through with the belt. Yeah. It made us feel almost vindicated. It made us feel... Like things had kind of been buried in terms of just our bad blood. It felt healing, right? Yeah. At this point, uh, Corrigan had bought the NWA. So. And here we are thinking Smashing Pumpkins are going to play our next show. Yeah, you know. (laughs) I thought we got Smashing Pumpkins and then, you know. Yeah, no. Um, Yeah, that was a weird time for the NWA. But um, we were just, first of all, we missed him so much. Um, He's a great guy to have around. I was always very proud of the controversy. Yeah team which a lot of people on paper thought looked absurd but that wound up materializing to something that was incredibly entertaining um but yeah man we uh we decided to kind of change titles and put them on 
the heavy hearts. Yeah. Because we, I thought they were just natural heels and they were just kind of fun chicken shit wrestlers. People really liked the gimmick. You know, they were these big, fat, flamboyant, big, beautiful guys. That was that was kind of yeah. kind of like the gimmick. But of course, they were also righteous heels in that. You know, people made fun of them for being fat, and here we are in uber liberal Austin, and these guys are getting body shamed, legitimately body shamed, and they're pointing at the crowd, kind of calling them on their shit, which was brilliant. They were good heels, and yeah. they could work. You know, yeah. and I mean, this is <clears throat> I have I have always enjoyed your stereotypical tag teams. So the, this is sort of the first time. Um, this is fun WWF yeah, shit. Yeah. That's is, really what it is. Yeah, this is 92 fucking WWF <laughs> superstars, right? Fucking natural yeah. disasters versus Money Inc. or some shit. And, and I don't, I mean, I don't, I know, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, JoJo really liked being in this mix, but I thought him as the heaviest sumo, a guy that acted big, yeah. being in uh, the, 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 the very little piece of meat in this big, big old sandwich was kind of, kind of funny. It was, it, it was a, it was a fun juxtaposition. But I love seeing small guys act big and seeing him act big with these two big guys kind of flanking him was was kind of a kind of a gimme, man. It, it made sense and it was yeah. a lot of fun. But of course, uh, this had some interesting rules, didn't it? Yeah, the, the tag belts were were up for grabs. Yeah, I think so, so was Delilah's title as well. Yes. Yeah, you're correct. She had the XXD. But I think what happened was like whoever got pinned lost their lost their belt. Yeah. And this was uh, Vega. Tim Storm turns on Vega at the end. Yeah. Right. And Vega takes the pin. So they've lost the the twin dragon belt. And I think this starts Jojo claiming that he should have gotten the XXD belt as well. Which becomes very important. Yeah, this becomes this is the seedling of something really, really big, a huge moment in um our company's history. Also, I think at this point, let's talk about the XXD belt for a little bit. Um, yeah. I I always fucking hated the XXD belt because I didn't feel like aesthetically it matched the trend of belts that we had created. It was on black. Uh, it was on black leather. It was silver. It uh, The design of it was very, I don't know, it just looked like some lower level uh, ECW type belt uh, for, from when it was you know, uh, WWE, WWE ECW. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it reminded me of. It didn't really, it didn't really fit the the company design. Um, I was at this point really eager to find a way to just get rid of it, and I think this was where I was starting to kind of push that we needed to really expunge it from uh, being on shows because it was also kind of like the last shred of Brandon Stroud. Like I really, you know, we had this belt. We just really needed to get rid of it. You know. Um, I think you were kind of on the same page, but we were trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I like I um obviously I was attached to more of a traditional style of a women's division and this and this and this, right? Um Yeah, but the I the idea of losing the belt itself physically I did not and the division. I didn't the XX division, uh the name always kind of didn't sit right with me. It didn't feel like how I wanted to present women's wrestling. So making that change, I was all for. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, this led us down a path to be able to kind of merge. Well, let's just go into it. Merge the XXD belt and the J crown to create sort of, I mean, I, 
my interpretation was it was kind of out of the vein of the the TNA X division, right? The limitless sort of yeah. uh, division where you know there were no restrictions. Uh, we we kind of played with. Well, there was also the, there was also the idea that like you know much ado had been made about women being in the business and there needing to be this urgent sense of equality between men and women. And my personal opinion that was that the girls deserve to be able to work anybody that they wanted to. If there was a wrestler coming in, why couldn't doom work? Say this big name wrestler, why couldn't we do that? And to me, the whole thing was always about kind of acknowledging differences in sizes, not gender. You know, you wrestle a woman like you would maybe a smaller guy if it made sense, you know, yeah. I mean, or you have Craven who is bigger, but, you know, it just she could wrestle a guy like Jay Sirius. And it's really about the age, dis- uh, the size discrepancy, rather, yeah. um, not about the gender. And so I feel like there was a lot of talk about pushing the idea that women's wrestling mattered. But I don't think that you could do that while keeping the divisions segregated. That was my. I know that we butted heads on that yeah. quite a bit, uh, but that's that's where I was at. It it and also it seemed like every time anybody did any intergender like wrestling angle, it was all about the woman proving herself. You know. Yeah. Um. I'm a big also. I'm a big big fan of say a guy like Bruce Lee, right? A guy who epitomizes uh, fighting science, where it's really about how different abilities and skills can overcome anything really i mean you know if you're smaller you have an advantage in terms of speed uh you know you might have better cardio you know i really really liked the idea of just treating competitors differently and presenting them not in an unrealistic fashion but just you know fact of the matter is i've seen some of the biggest guys i've seen wreck shop uh you know are were small you know, yeah. smaller guys. I mean, like, you know, the guys that I'm most scared of are that tend to be like the wiry, tiny guys. You know, I'm not really scared of the gym rats. I'm scared. I'm scared of, you know, people that that are kind of scrawny and scrappy. <laughs> That's reality to me. You're you're meth heads, for lack of a better term. No shit, man. <laughs> I'm sorry if I see some like, you know, the boogeyman. Come on, you know. But yeah. And I think we um... I'll fight Lawler. I wouldn't fight Boogie Woogie. <laughs> I think the uh the what we did with the tag belts and with Doom and and Davey uh kind of allowed us to really go down this path, right? Yeah. So, I know you're proud of the show. What what made you proud? What 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 did um, you what, yeah. what made you proud of this particular event? So, when you go down this show, you realize we don't have Starks at this point. Nope. We don't have Steve, right? There's a lot of folks missing from this show. And yet, you don't realize anything's missing when you watch the show back. No. So, the, I mean, I think that really speaks to... I mean, sure, we've got ACH on the show, right? Like, let's just break down kind of the guests we have. We have ACH, who's, you know, from Austin. So, is he a guest or not? That's up to you to decide. Uh, Craven is on here, and Joey Ryan's on here. But other than that, it's all local people that we've spent time building up. Um and, and also referencing our own history, which yeah. I think made it feel bigger and better. So to not have, you know, uh, Steve had a, an injury that kept him off the show. And then Ricky and us were, were 
apart at this time, right? Keith Lee has left. Sammy Guevara is not um, able to be on the show, um, even though he's got our pure prestige belt, right? Um, to have all those those key pieces and still be able to put together a show this solid that you can't you can't tell something's missing. I'm very proud of how yeah. big the Twin Dragon Connection titles felt at this point yeah. in time. They felt like they felt like as important as the main title. They were main eventing. Mm-hmm. They were main eventing at this point, which was was huge. Um, so yeah, that that made that made me really proud watching this back and watching it in sequence and going, okay, sure we're missing these these major players, but you don't feel a drop in in quality. You don't feel like the card has dropped at all. So uh, another cool thing is this is the show that we basically agreed on when Ricky Starks would return to the company, which was kind of cool. I remember him being uh, stretched out on a table, kind of lounging. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can we talk about this? Yeah. Do you you remember this? Okay, but hold on. We talked about Felix really briefly. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that we, we... Actually, I think it was TJ lined up was that we had a, mas- a masseuse yeah. backstage. It was like one of those weird things that we kind of got to got to involve. I think at one point we had a table that was giving away cases of pre-workout to the guys, yeah. which they were stoked on. But we also had a masseuse because there was a, there was a, sp- a, a recoup room uh, in the hallway that we had had kind of sectioned off. And <clears throat> so we had a masseuse. And I remember like a... Felix is this really colorful character who would come to our shows and help set up. He never shuts the fuck up. Never. Um, I don't really know what more to say about the guy. He's a trained wrestler. He pops up as Frisco Flame. He's been seen on, at ACW. And I remember this was actually the show where I had someone come to me and tell me that Felix was getting a massage <laughs> in the back hallway. And this is this guy who's basically just setting up the ring. Yeah. <clears throat> and I have to go back there. And I'm like, oh man, what the fuck are you doing? What this is for the wrestlers, man. And he, but you know, he was on the card. Yeah. But still, I was kind of. I don't know why I was so peeved at that. But I remember, and he just going, oh, really sorry, man. He's <laughs> doing one bump. Yeah. He's doing one bump. He's like, he's getting dick flipped, dude. Yeah. He's just getting dick flipped. So, but he's back he's there. He's taking up the get, bench. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. He's taking up the bench. But anyway, go on with the Ricky. I had to go to that story because this is one of the. This was like probably one of the only shows where I actually showed up backstage and fucking yelled at somebody. Yeah. So so yeah, um, Ricky's kind of lounged out on this table. He's like basically like, hey man, um, you know, I think I think we it, it was that weird like Dutch Mantel covers this like you, you leave and you're like fuck that motherfucker I'm never working with him again fuck you and then you know time passes and like oh why why haven't we been working together brother brother all that good shit so it was Ricky very also showed up with merch he had a merch <laughs> table like we, we, it wasn't yeah. even it wasn't even Ricky though it was it was him and Aaron yeah they were shilling for their tag team yeah. and I was like why the fuck is this happening you know think, didn't we we let him sell merch too yeah. I think yeah we did. Um, so yeah, basically after the show, he, uh, you know he's lounged out like fucking Jeff Gold- Goldblum in fucking Jurassic Park, <laughs> and, and we're talking about um, when we can get him back. I, th- I think he was he was booked for our next show, um, but um, we got him for Ecstasy of Gold uh, to make his his big return. So um, yeah, that was uh, 
that was how we brought Ricky Starks back in the fold. So it it was that good. Like there was a, a, almost a year long period where he was off doing the extra talented thing with solo and, and um, you know, now it was time to come back home. So that was kind of <clears> cool. <throat> uh, the other thing I'd like to touch on, this was the Justin Bieber mask promo I did to announce Sammy was coming back. Yeah. So I tore my fucking patella uh, slightly doing that dumbass fucking jump from the top rope. You dummy. Uh, mimicking Sammy's fucking entrance. Um, you deserve <laughs> to, it. To this fucking day. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. That was, uh, I got to, to cosplay as fucking Sammy. Um, and and I, th- I thought I did pretty good mimicking the entrance. Um, you did. You did a good to, job. It just I wish I wish it hadn't been at the expense of your body. <laughs> well, it's not. Excuse me, folks. I'm I'm eating as as we do this because you know you know what man I'm hey, I'm busy multitasking, I'm busy, brother. brother. I got, yeah, you know. Anyway, but um, yeah, so that that was good. That means you know next show we've got Sammy coming back. We've got Ricky back in the fold. You know things are looking really good. Hold up there, brother, brother. There's a problem with the building though. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, There's a major problem with the building. Yeah. You you wanted to talk sort of about the issues that we had with Austin Sports Center. Um, I didn't like those people. Yeah, um, and we've kind of touched on that, but that that never went away. Yeah. You know? There was that, that fucking tub of shit walking around with his giant big gulp cup acting like every fucking thing we asked him to do was a big put put off like... Excuse me, sir. Where's the broom? Oh, I'll show you where the broom is. Just one second, you know. And then he'd yeah. get up and just kind of like he kind of like walk off like that fucking, you know, like that like fucking Vincent D'Onofrio and Men in Black, you know, just kind of kind of like had this weird, awkward kind of swishy walk, and like he's being controlled by a smaller body inside of him. Hated that guy. Hated all of his fucking army goons. Oh my god! He had all these like fucking army guys and uh, that, that were like kind of yoked out of their minds, who just really hated being there. You know, which is my favorite thing ever. Is like, hey, if you don't want to be here, go get another job somewhere else. I mean, if you, you if you had to work for that dude, you'd hate being there too, I guess. Maybe. Um, but yeah, and, and you know the the just the massive size of the place. Um, we did a lot of good things using the space, but it was just so cavernous, you know. Um, I just hated the fact that we couldn't control the lights. So we had someone yeah. actually ask what we look at when we're evaluating a building. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think number one is, is there enough room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's nothing worse than being crammed into... Sort of. I don't agree with that entirely. I'd rather be in a space too small than a space too big. True, but I mean, like, there's also an extent of if the backstage area is so small that, like, we're intense and shit, it's a a little different, right? Um, And then... Both extremes are are lousy. Yeah. You You want a sweet spot. Yeah, and then you've taught me the importance of making sure that there's enough bathrooms to to serve uh what's needed and then for us there has to be a bar right there has to be and that was a thing too we were catering in the alcohol and i really felt like we were paying to have alcohol at the venue and that was always weird to me i always felt like we should have even either been making money off of the fact that there was alcohol sales or alcohol sales should have um reduced the the rental rate 
versus us paying. Yeah, the extra unfortunate to have thing it. though is that when you cut into the uh, bar revenue, then people expect a cut of the tickets. So yeah, true. I always kept everything. I mean, I think it's been so long since we've done shit that sometimes you forget why. I go, hey, yeah, we should yeah. do things this way. It's just no, no, less it, complicated, and, and not so much that, but just the fact that it was an extra cost just to have alcohol available always kind of was annoying. Catering services to me are crazy because. Yeah. It should have just been an opportunity for someone to come in and make money. We yeah. shouldn't have been paying somebody a ton of money to come in and make money. Yeah. That was ridiculous. That, that was just, it was just ugly. But also, man, I'm sorry, but wrestling shows, they don't work without beer. No. Yeah. You, it's, it's, you need that magic elixir. It's sort it's, of like, like a strip club, right? The work works better if you have a little bit of booze in you. Absolutely. So. It'd be like, it'd be like if you went to the yellow rose and there was no goddamn <laughs> DJ table, you know, just, here's, you need, here's, here's your peeps Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. You need, you need something. Um, yeah. you need something there to wet the whistle and break folks down and let them get a little uninhibited, yeah. a little, a little liquid courage, so to speak. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like right size. I really want there to be a good backstage component, which is always something you kind of have to, you have to compromise on sometimes. Um, a bar is a good thing. Uh, you know, it's just, it just... And also just, like, you don't want to work with assholes. Yeah. That's a big thing. Like, the people at, uh, at, at uh, the sports center were fucking dicks. And they really left us out in the cold a few times, actually. We had to scramble to move things around. And that was actually the case. I think it was at this show. We learned that we had had a hold on a date. And then all of a sudden they'd gone, well, well, we got this game here. And so you guys are out in the cold. Sorry. (laughs) So we're stuck holding our dicks going like, what the fuck are we going to do? We had an event coming up. It was actually not far off. And um, and so I began to scramble. I hit the ground running and it was uh, it was kind of scary because we had started to kind of partially book this gig. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, at the show, we're pre-booking shit, right? Mm -hmm. We expect to have the building. So the sports center has a sister site, right? They have like a North Austin sports center. Oh my God. Right. So they basically shift the date to the North, uh, North Austin sports center. And me and TJ go and tour it. And, um, Basically, it's it's down to, like, this is one of our few options, right? So, we basically go, fuck, we have to make this work. You would have fucking hated this building. Yeah. So, there were nets. The, the coolest part was you could make the entire arena pitch black and lights come back on instantly, which we had never had. We always had the lights that had, would have to charge back up. Um, so, we had that. Um, but there was, like video gambling tables set up <laughs> there was like a video gambling bar it was basically like a skating rink type they were gonna let us use this building for free yes that would that, that they, they were i was pissed yeah. you were pissed they could see that we were pissed and i said so you're basically just going i i think i was a little melodramatic i said so yeah. you're gonna kill our company after this agreement that we had because you guys just yeah. aren't efficient at your running your business it wasn't free they they gave us a free day at their venue but we still had to put some money down on on this venue and and i'll tell you why i remember this because it becomes very important okay (laughs) so we tour we agree to everything this this place is real far north you really that's another thing that we actually have to touch touch upon for me location is really key 
one of the things that sucked about the sports center was the parking options. They were not deep. Yeah. Um, as opposed to say a place like Blue Genie, where they have the ACC parking lot that's just a hop and a skip across, you know, Lamar. That's to me that or airport or whatever. Uh, that's that's perfect. That that to me that setup worked right. But also, Blue Genie is in close proximity to the Metro Line. It's not too far south. It's not too far north. It's you know just off of thirty five. Location is really key, and boy, this place that 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 you went and toured was in bumfuck Dude. North Austin. So, I mean, I'm sure people may have been, but there there's like these weird warehouse fucking conglomerates. So there's just warehouse after warehouse, and there's a few parking spots in between them. It's basically what this was. Like, there would have been enough spots on a Sunday for people to find found parking. Well, you know, we were up against it, so. Anyway, we tour this place. We go, okay, um, I, th- I think this is going to work. And we change all the promotional stuff mm-hmm. to this building. So, okay, so we've agreed. <laughs> we're going to go back and we're going to drop off the deposit. Oh, this is right? good. This is really good. I, yeah. So we go back. The guy, hey, good to see you guys. Is it going to work out? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And we get to the very end and TJ goes, well, okay, let me pay you so we can make sure we hold the date because this has already been a problem. And he goes, I have to tell you guys, I don't want to take any money from you um, because they may come and lock me out of this building in the next couple days. <laughs> and we're like, fucking what? He's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty much bankrupt. So at some point, they're probably going to come close the building now. <laughs> what the fuck? And mind you, this was set up by the people at South Austin Sports yeah. Center. This is a, this is like a, a little sister venue of theirs. So they set this up. They set they this was their consolation. So this guy, this guy goes, "Look, uh, if I can make it through this weekend, I'm talking to the owner. We should be fine for the date." So at this point, me and TJ are like, "Okay, cool." Then walk out in the parking lot. I'm like, "Oh fuck, what do we do?" You know. So the guy, he's super, super nice guy. Besides the fact that he's trying to rent us a building that he's probably going to get kicked out of before the show happens, uh, goes, oh, well, I have this little indoor soccer place in Cedar Park. Now, before I, did I even pitch this to you before I looked you at did. it? You did. You sent me photos and I think I lost my shit. Yeah. Like I got mad. I don't, I, I think I told you here. all together. Cause I was yeah. like, number one, I'm not telling Max Cedar Park until I look at this place. Right. And uh, I pull up, and it's miniature. Yeah. You could fit maybe, like, 30 people in this thing. Yeah. Once you put a ring in there. Um, And we're just like, well, fuck. (laughs) You know? Um, I already know that three days later, this guy's going to call me and tell me that he doesn't have this fucking building anymore, right? So, I mean, we're we're dead in the water here. So this, this is actually, I think, the point where I come in. Yes. And I decide, well... I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit the ground running and try to figure out what's going on, what what I can do in terms of a venue. I'm going to find, I'm I'm always determined to find something if I have to, you know, I'm kind of like, I think I'm, I feel like, would you say it's accurate to call me kind of a secret weapon at this point? Uh, when it comes to buildings, for sure. Yeah. Well, with a lot of other things yeah. too, you know, I mean, there was, yeah. there, were few, there was one time where I actually helped with the rent on fucking Red Oak and, you know, yeah. And I'm all, I'm and, and, and I'm always just troubleshooting, our, you know. Our uh, 
our football with the codes. The- yeah, exactly. So I go to my friend uh, Chris, who is the uh, he is the he works at he works for AFS, but he's also the guy that manages Austin Studios, which is where at the time I'd been doing a screening series called Savage Gold. Savage Gold was an offshoot of uh, programming at AFS. I did it with my good friend Lars Nielsen. And so I spent a lot of time on Monday nights just kind of tooling around this studio where the likes of Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, Richard Linklater, a lot of people shot their films out at this location. And I knew that there were sound stages. There were, there were, there were these sound stages, but the catch was that uh, they were incredibly hot. They were not pleasant to be in, but they could move fans or rent fans and put them in there and kind of keep them cool. And a lot of people had done South by Southwest parties there. And so I thought, hmm, maybe I'll hit Chris up and see if we might be able to rent one of these Austin studio lots or buildings from the lot. And and I hit him up and he goes, yeah, man, that'd be fucking miserable and it'd be a lot of money. Why don't you just go talk to the people at AFS? And I said, well, I did. And the lady that was doing your rentals uh, pitched me some insane number and uh, was actually pretty fucking rude to me. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, really? That's funny. And he said, well, let me let me get back with you. So he went and he talked to some people and he came back and said, hey, man, you can have the building on this date for X amount. And it was like the old rate. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what was going on, but I think that they just kind of saw the writing on the wall. Maybe they knew that we could come in, do something interesting and, you know, to the building. We contributed to its visibility and we could bring a crowd in that fucking drank. Yes. So we jumped back uh, into bed with AFS for what we thought was going to be. One night only. <laughs> but it was also something that we could promote. Yeah. We could promote that. Coming home. We're going home. And the minute that we announced that we were going home for that show, people, people exploded. Yeah, we had a spike in ticket sales people that were, day. People were excited. But yeah, we went through something like, <laughs> we went through multiple venues leading up to that show. Um, and it, it, felt, it felt tremendous. Um, so... I mean, we're going to get into that show in a little bit, but yeah, that that's finding a building is nightmarish. It's, it's the just, worst part. It, it is the it's worst, the worst and the hardest part. part, especially because in Austin, everybody's real estate is incredibly overpriced. People think that they are the prettiest girl at the dance, and so sometimes people will ask you for ridiculous, just scads of cash. Yeah, you know, so. And it's always been a problem. Venues are expensive, man. And they're more expensive here than they are anywhere else. When we have people who are being critical of us when they're up in fucking Killeen, I just want to grab them by their fucking lapels and shake them. You know, because it's not, it's, you know, we're not in fucking Copper's Cove. Okay? Nobody cares about, nobody, nobody worth a shit lives there because nobody wants to be there. You know? Austin is a different story. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. (laughs) Fuck Copper's Cove, bitch. All right. Well, fuck. Don't alienate our Copper's Cove fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're never... Come down. Yeah, we're never going to run at the fucking rodeo dome again. (laughs) Yeah, give me a fucking break, man. (laughs) Fuck those people. Fuck Copper's Cove. Fuck Colleen. You know what? Whoa. Fuck fuck most of Texas. They can drive. They can drive to our shows. They're good people. You know what? That's why there's traffic in Waco. Nobody can drive, Okay. Matt, Matt Palmer, he'll back me up. Colleen's closer than Waco. It's okay. Just don't come from Wackahatchee. Okay, whatever. Yeah, don't, yeah. Kickapoo is fucked. Um, I love all of our fans from Kickapoo and Wachahatchee. 
<laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's that. That's I think that's where we're going to end here for today. But um, I figured we'd kind of uh, delve into a question that I just now got, and this is really something that you're going to have to take by the horns, Biss. Question is, and this is a question we've gotten before. A lot of people ask, "What is the budget on a show like?" They want to. They really want to know the specific nuts and bolts. I hear this question all the time, and I always kind of like brush it aside because I think, "Wow, that's that's pretty fucking boring." But yeah, people really people want. Really to, want to people really want to know. So, and you're you're kind of like, yeah, you're the guy. So. so, I mean, to run a show, you need to have. I mean, it's somewhere between five thousand and seven thousand uh, dollars that we look at at, at a base. And then there's things that add on, you know, like if you're going to have multiple fly-ins, then you have to add in hotel rooms and, you know, prices for those, those plane tickets. Um, so it can add up, it can get up to, you know, close to $10,000 for a show. And if you're not selling enough tickets to, to back that up, then it's kind of coming out of our pockets to make sure it happens. So, um, there's also other hidden costs. You have to think about advertising, um, you know, we we use mostly um, targeted social media ads, so those those cost. Um, you know, it's it's cheaper than if we were doing paper ads or billboards or TV spots. But I mean, that's a pretty penny as well. And then there's the graphics. You have to pay for for the graphics designer. Um, we don't have anyone in house that's doing it with their fucking MS Paint or some bullshit like that. So you, you have to pay a professional to to actually put that uh, those graphics together. Uh, the more graphics that you need for the show, the more that's going to cost. So when you see us put out uh, match banners for multiple matches, you know that there's a little bit extra there. Yeah, man, you don't see us using that that awful skin cancer filter that a lot of indie rogue ass dirt road shows have. Um, you also have to pay a photographer. I mean, that's like actually yeah. been one of the things is that you really want your media to look good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fans, if you're an indie wrestling fan, man, you've seen those comic sans flyers with, yeah, whew, just brutal. I mean, people, people judge you by your media, by what you put out. And so really making sure that you pay, I mean, that's always been the cost that like, I think oftentimes if we have an issue, we kind of butt heads on that. But yeah, like my, my, I'm always going to come from a standpoint of pump as much money as we can into the wrestling, right? But it's those, it's those peripheral added costs that puts peripheral. your production over the edge. Um, I love you. You know, that, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, so, I mean, I'm not going to come on here and tell you exactly what a show costs, but I think that's as close as a, that's a ballpark, you know, I'm still, I'm still a little carny. I'm still a little kayfabe, so, I mean, man. I think, yeah. And I think a lot of people just want to know the nuts and bolts. So yeah. like, you got to worry about the building the specifics yeah. of the building really matter. The location, the parking, the bathroom situation, the liquor license, or the ability to have liquor at your event are all important. Also, not working with total dickholes is really important. Um, and from there, you just you kind of have to have enough time to promote. You know, you, you need enough time. You need to put your money into flyering, social, stuff like that. Then there are elements such as the ring. The ring matters. Yeah. Um, man, here's a fun topic. The minutia. 
Renting chairs. Oh, God. Boy, yeah. we are not in good standing with the people in this city that rent out chairs for a very <laughs> obvious reason. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but wrestlers like to beat the shit out of each other with chairs. And they yeah. also, um, I'm going to be delicate here. I don't mean to be mean, but there are a lot of big boned wrestling fans. Yeah. I'll say this right now. You have somebody like a Ryan Davidson crack somebody in the head with a chair at one show, and then you have a big-ass wrestling fan sit in that chair at the next event. That thing's hanging by a thread already, man. I've seen people fall through chairs. It's not pretty, but it happens. And at the end of the day, the rental com- company comes, takes that shit, and looks at the carnage, and boy, they don't like you. So they'll hike that right up on you. Yeah. Then going into that, you need a sound person. You need someone who actually runs the sound cues like they are not Johnny got his gun and don't have limbs or ears or eyes. You know, you really have to have someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. And then you have to have a PA, a system, sound, good sound. Luckily, we actually had a sponsor buy our system. So we do have a system. But a lot of times, you gotta rent the PA. And then, of course, sometimes you have to pay for cleanup. Then you gotta pay the wrestlers. You know, it's just there's a lot of built-in costs. It's yeah. just, it's it's there's a lot to it. But I think honestly, one of my strengths has been in production and making sure that everything fucking happens. You know, like I don't always necessarily have all the answers in terms of how we're going to pay for shit, but I do often think of things that makes that make show day go pretty smoothly. Would you say that? You gonna give me any do here? Give me. I'll, I'll give you some do on that. Thank I'll give you some do on yes. that. Yes, I'm not just the guy that comes up with corny storylines. Some people think that's all I do. Ring in a room, brother. Ring in a room. Yeah, they think I'm just up here. Put it all on the wrestlers. I'm just in Walnut Creek in my fucking palatial ranch house playing with action figures and writing down what happens. No, that's not how it fucking goes. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass to put on any show on any level. And a lot of people are really bad at it. Yeah, And you bring up the ring, too. The ring is... You know, the ring's never drawn a fan, but you damn sure can't have the show without it, right? No, you need a ring. You need a ring. You need you need that crew. So it, it's always kind of funny too. You have well, I, you know, I brought ten people. You know, well, yeah, but you got to pay for the ring. You got to pay for the building. Yep. No, a, a building and a ring has never really drawn a fan, right? Like a name has, but you still got to pay those costs, right? Sometimes so, though, AFS. I think it definitely did. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, man, the venue does matter. Yeah. But the thing that we also do have to say is that. There are costs, there are things that wind up taking out of the wallet, but there are a lot of people who actually will just be there yeah. without their hand out, and they're just doing it to be a part of something that they love, and i got to say thank you to a lot of those people. Absolutely. For all the young boys and the young girls that are coming out and helping set up the ring, they're helping out Charlie and, and Pops and the crew, uh, the people that are just there spreading... Uh, uh, what we do via word of mouth, people bringing their friends, people just who give a shit. You know, yeah. there are a lot of people who really care and love about this stuff. It, it literally makes the world go round. Yeah, it does. So. It is. It is. I mean, we have the bricks, but those folks are the are the are the mortar between them. So um, we do it. We do have to thank the people who are just there on the spot to make sure that things get set up or just holding it down, man. It's really important. But uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode this time we will be profiling fade to black three as we return to the marquesa which has undergone a change since we've been away we'll talk about that more too but in the meantime have fun watching good wrestling thanks